I'm, I'm only talking numbers because I incrementally got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish I would have started earlier. Man, I would have been way light years ahead of mm -hmm. where I am right now. Hello, world, and welcome back to the Millennial Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Justin Deal, with my co-host, Tyler Arjun. What's up, Ty Guy? Yo, what's going on, brother? Not too much. So we have another special guest for you today and a great episode ahead. So this person uh, has been a good friend of mine for a while, and I've always uh, really admired a lot of the things he's doing as a family man, as an entrepreneur, just a contributing member of society. Owns a few different businesses, um, does a lot of really good content. He's constantly educating people, and especially in a market we'll jump into that people constantly have questions about. Um, so we're going to dive into quite a few things, but without further ado, our good friend Matthew Boyce. What's Matty, up, Matty, good fellas? to be here, brother. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. So I, happy to have you. I don't know. I, as soon as you said uh, contributing member of society, <laughs> I, I, I saw the I shrug. was in the wrong room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah, bro. you do so many great things, though, especially with the education side, which we'll jump into in a minute, because uh, your content's definitely, I always tell you, I think I only know things that are going on in the mortgage world, which I didn't say yet, Maximus Mortgage is his company right now advisors i believe maximus maximus mortgage advisors yeah, yeah. gotta the, throw the, the advisors Divi it definitely <laughs> it makes it sound way more official yeah that's like i think yeah. perfect iq when you say advisors on there i'm like geniuses, <laughs> and by the so. way is that why you always have an incorrect uh view of what's going on in real estate because you listen to me <laughs> it might be it might be why i just keep jumping into things i'm like i thought that's what Matt said. right now yeah, not, <laughs> he said guaranteed yeah <laughs> Um, but let's jump in. Let's go back a little bit. We always love to talk about kind of the upbringing, lessons you've learned from your parents, what that childhood was like. Um, so tell us a little bit about young Maddie. Well, you know, it's really weird because I grew up, I could walk to where I grew up. Um, uh, you know, for the most part, we're in Mount Laurel now on uh, Ark Road 38. Uh, my mom and dad split when I was young, right? Mm -hmm. So uh we were living in, in an attic in Haddon Heights uh, when, when uh, after the divorce. Anyone that's been divorced knows, especially single mothers, single fathers, you just know the finances are, are tight. And, mm -hmm. and so uh, we were you know, making do. She, my mom uh, was a teacher. Uh, so you know, when you're a new teacher, again, don't have to tell you guys that you, you know that the salary's not there. Yeah. So we lived in an attic in Haddon Heights. Uh, then quickly she, she moved up and we were able to buy our first condo around the corner here. Uh, so it was a, it was a, a tough upbringing because, you know, when your parents are split, uh, you're, you're, you know, it's just a tough spot to be in the middle, but I will say that I, whether I probably need therapy, but it's some, <laughs> at some point do. we're going to do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uncover this. Free yeah. therapy. Yeah. But you know, the two of them really didn't speak and they, uh, my mom, mm. then I, I would go visit my dad. I'd come, I'd stay with my mom. And then my mom would always have a message to my dad. And then it would never be really in the best way you could say it. <laughs> you know, it yeah. would, if I would have told my dad what she really wanted me to tell him, it, things would have been World War Three. Mm -hmm. So then I tell him I'd sugarcoat it. I make it sound, you know, you know, palatable, you know. So then he goes, oh, OK, I'll consider that, Matt. Tell your mom. Oh man! And then you know, and then you, know, you learned how to fluff communication and, and I, at a very young age. Huh? <laughs> I was Sheesh. like, I guess it was before email, you know, so mm. they didn't want to talk on the phone. So I, you know, the upbringing really was uh, of of me just trying to figure things out in between two parents, trying to figure out communication and mm -hmm. and and being the the one to kind of calm the waters. Uh, I think that contributed to me be you know the the sales part of things and 
And, uh, and then also we were really poor. So when you're poor, you, you tend to try to figure out ways to not be poor, yep. uh, you know. And so when I was real young, I started a DJ company mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, my mom's Jewish. My father's not. So I had the Jewish community, uh, you know, down oh, in bar, bar DJ Matty B. Yeah. DJ Matty B. We had bar mitzvahs, <laughs> bar mitzvahs. And, and then, you know, we, we really I, I just had a, a really I. I looked at it at the time as this is hard. And now that I look back on it, you know, like so many successful entrepreneurs and business people now that that hardship made them what they are today. Absolutely. And and I, I don't take anything for granted. And I, I worked my ass off to be uh, where I am now. And, and the journey, uh, you know, if you listen to the Ed Milets out there, you know, the, the journey is the the beauty of it. And that's the, the, the part we all all live uh, for it's not the destination it's the journey that's mm-hmm. like the dash right that's what it's all about on the tombstone that's right so yeah. would it be safe to say with kind of your upbringing that you know you and your wife seem to have an amazing relationship did you kind of learn a lot of the things you didn't want in a partner hold on let me get the uh piece of paper she wrote <laughs> uh, things i'm allowed to say about her uh you know i was a i was an only child she had a sister uh she was she grew up in pennsylvania i actually got a pennsylvania uh, a girl to come over to Jersey. Wow, which that's is like rare. Unheard. My brother just did that recently. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they were living in PA and they they finally moved back. I think it's an oath they take in PA. Yeah. Of never she was like against Jersey people. people. Yeah, oh, they always. I was are. like, what? Yeah, but are. but to be fair, she was in York County and the yeah. closest uh, shopping center. Yeah, yeah. Where I think it was like <laughs> an hour and a half drive. So coming so any out civilization. here. Yeah. And then she, her only stipulation was, hey, Matt, listen, I love you. And if we're going to move out here, can you just do me a favor? I just don't like a ton of trees. Can we not be in a place where we're, where there's trees and we live in Medford, New Jersey now? <laughs> so it, she's surrounded, but she's still. Yeah. You cleared a lot of trees out for her on the property, though, right? I did. It's very like legally, Medford. <laughs> I swear. I, Permits oh, were taken. You guys are all like protected land there, right? With uh, all the, yeah, the lakes. Yeah. And the, yeah. <laughs> they are, they're not happy when a tree falls. Yeah. So. So, uh, okay. So from there, so how did you get into like just entrepreneurship business? What did that road look like for you? So again, we go back to being poor and I wanted a car. Mm-hmm. And so, and I needed to pay for that car. Well, I started delivering pizza and then I was, uh, I was a bus boy. I was a waiter. I think a lot of people were working. Oh at, yeah. It's at one of the best skills, the skill set you yeah. learn from doing that. And, and I liked, I liked the tip action. I liked all that, but I, I, again, I noticed that it, it just wasn't giving me the money and it was more time, you know, and I just started valuing my time. Mm. So uh, I was the vice president of student council at Lenape high school. And I was in charge of booking the DJ. And so I was behind the scenes, helping them DJ, just messing around. And uh, one of my favorite songs is Rapper's Delight. Oh, yeah. So, it's you know, I requested it, and he goes, hey. He goes, well, if if you want to have fun, here's the mic. And so I got up, and, you know, I had all, you know, 100 kids, however many were there, and I did the whole. I said, it hit. Hot. Well, no, you got to get it. You got to warm them up first. (laughs) So we go, everybody, put your hands up. Put your hands up. And then you got everyone into it. And then you go into it. (laughs) And so when I was done, he looked at me, he goes, yeah, we're you're going to work with me. And uh, not long after I bought my own. Again, you're working for someone. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing again, like everyone is requesting me. uh, Why are you making money on on my requests Mm -hmm. and love the guy a lot? 
uh, still talk to him to this day, but I took a credit card out, uh, spent $5,000 on equipment, uh, took a risk and went out there and started my own company. And I ended up with uh, two sets of uh, additional equipment. I had people working for me and actually put myself through college uh, owning a DJ company. And, yeah, and awesome. actually I graduated, I was, I was a few credits short and they said, well, you need to do an internship. And I said, well, can I do an internship within my own company? company? Yeah. And I said, I guess you could. So I, I ended up. <laughs> I've been interning for uh, however many years. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it, it just, that ended up being, it gave me the, the bug of, I just feel like owning your own business, uh, whether it's a side gig, it's your full gig, the amount of time you put into it, you get back exponentially. Yeah. So it would. I, I, again, valuing your time. So mm -hmm. if I'm working for for a company and I'm putting all this time and blood, sweat, tears and effort and time away from my family to invest into this, I better see a return on that. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like owning my own thing and doing my own thing that I think that was the best uh, investment of my time. Yeah, I love that you saw that student council. Well, I was in that as well. Shout out to all the student council folks out there. But you <laughs> saw a need and you were like, I could help with this. I could plug that. And then you grew your value, your expertise in that. And you definitely have one of those personalities. That's what I've always admired about you. Great uh, presence. You know, you're a very good communicator. Um, and I could see how the DJ stuff just made sense. But taking a calculated risk, nonetheless, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you were like, okay, I see this guy's booking stuff. There's another opportunity here. There's a need I can fulfill. Why can I not make that money? Yeah. And that's... You had to take that risk. Yeah. But it was calculated. You yeah. didn't just like go all like, right, I'm just going to spend $50,000 on DJ equipment, right, get the right, best right. of the best and not have any bookings lined up. Like you did some research, you you, you kind of did the foundational work to build something of substance rather than just it was more than a side gig, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You you treated it more as a business from the jump rather than like, oh, I'm only going to invest two hours a week in it, you know, here and there. Yeah, it was just a commitment. Yeah, that that's what it was. And I just think that there's a lot of people now that I see out there and look, I'm in real estate. So mm -hmm. it's easy for me to fall back on that uh, with mortgage and real estate. But there's a lot of people out there that even not in real estate that think that an entrepreneur is this like this thing that they'll never be able to attain. It's this weird you know, person that sits around, like works out of their car, uh, <laughs> just, you know, is always broke. And then all of a sudden they're rich and then they're broke again, which, mm -hmm. hey, that is the case sometimes. But I, I think that what it really comes down to is branding. Mm -hmm. And I, again, go back to Ed Milet. I think one of his mo most recent episodes, he had a woman on and they were talking about branding for everybody. Uh, it, whether you're a single mom or you're, you're in, you work for someone, just to create a brand, you know, because nowadays everything's online. Everything is, is, is researched. If I'm going to, I think they're the example they use, if my child is going to go to a private school or I'm going to go to an employer and interview, and then they come back and they want to research me and they want to look me up, which they all do. Mm -hmm. I know I do. When yep. I meet new people, immediately I'm going on and I don't just go to their Facebook or yeah. Twitter. I go way back. <laughs> I immediately go, I don't want like, to see. What's the first picture they post? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see the you now. I want to see yeah. the you like shit face at State College mm. or down at you know, the OD and, and CI. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see like the you, the real you. Who you are. Yeah. Who you are. And I know that's what they do. So think about if you're someone who 
just wants to have a good public image and you want to open up doors in the future, whether it is being an entrepreneur, whether it's just uh, leapfrogging in your industry and going to another career, another career. How are people going to know you if they don't know you? How are those doors going to open if you don't put yourself out there? So I think that's that's been my biggest thing. Now, I sit down with dozens and dozens of agents, again, because I'm in real estate or mortgage partner with real estate agents. And they all say, I need more leads and I need more people. Again, uh, shout out to another great uh, person out there. If you're in sales, Alex Ramosi. Mm -hmm. Alex has a book, $100 million leads. Uh, great, great book because he simplifies it. I'm like, finally, a book that's, you know, big with pictures in it and, you know, something that I'm not <laughs> going to fall asleep uh, reading. And it's just a matter of getting in front of as many people as possible. So the whole entrepreneur thing turned morphed into just creating a brand for myself and then creating a brand around that, an a, 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 you know, umbrella brand that I could now duplicate what I've done for other people. So people that want to be a part of Maximus, it's not like I'm working for Matt Boyce. Sorry, Matthew. We're going by Matthew. We're, going by <laughs> We're proper here. Yeah. Exactly. As soon as I had 40 You're years very old, distinguished. I, I think I, I need to go by Matthew. It was usually just when I was in trouble, but now I'm Matthew. So if I, I still think that people in, in all walks of life that want to be successful, that you know, in, in want to move up in any career or be an entrepreneur, just has to work on that, the branding and the advertising for themselves. And if they don't get in front of people, the opportunities won't be there. Absolutely. And especially, yeah. like you said, for the job market, right? Like when, so you've gone through some rebrands and different companies, but it's when everybody knows Matthew Boyce and you're the guy we like, know, and trust, it really doesn't matter what you're attached to because you're what we're really buying. Nobody cares. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares about the company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just thought Maximus was cool because you, I got to buy Gladiator, Gladiator helmet. Yeah. yeah. I wanted my first son. I always said that the whole Maximus, Destinus, Meridius. My wife was like, absolutely. <laughs> so we can all tell who won that battle. In fact, shout out to Matthew Brady, another Matthew. I'm just going to surround myself by Matthews. Uh, new, new recruit onto the Maximus team. Came in bearing gifts. He brought me an actual sword. Wow. An actual gladiator sword. That's legit. And I just, I thought it was like, well, he's just going to murder me. Yeah. He's not happy with the, the comp agreement I get. But no, he, it, it, again, the brand, nobody cares about the company. Yeah. Everyone, Payday is a great company. You're there because you respect them and, and what they bring to you. And as long as my value or my thing is, if, if we're, you're making money on me. Let's break it down. Hmm. If you're going to make money off my efforts, I'm investing my time into you, whether I'm an agent at a brokerage or I'm working a payday. I don't know where you are. production. Yeah. <laughs> then, then I want to make sure you're in it with me. Yep. If you're helping me grow and you're, you're, you're backing me up, then we're all in it together. We're real partners here. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I'm your employee and you're my, no, we're, we're, we're partners because like you said, if you have a brand, you have a name in an industry it gives you power and leverage, right? Mm -hmm. You can kind of do whatever you want to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You got to sell yourself. Mm -hmm. That's thing. So take us a little more through the evolution of how DJ Matty B became you know, the, the entrepreneur you are today with you know, real estate, with a cigar lounge, with a mortgage company. I'm sure you're doing other things that I don't even know, but those are just the ones off the top. So how did, how did getting into mortgage, let's just start there. I got to tell you, this this story, I still have nightmares about this. <laughs> so 
I was doing well with with DJing in college. Again, I only had to work weekends, mm-hmm. and most of those parties were frats and sororities and weddings and bar mitzvahs. I was partying, having a great time, mm-hmm. and during the week, I didn't have to do anything. Money was good. I was making probably thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, mostly cash, mm. uh, in the senior year in college. And so, coming out of that, I thought I was rich. I went out and bought a, a hot car, a G thirty five Infinity Coupe. Oh, those were popular. Those were popular. You had to blow out. It was tinted too. It, of course, it was, it was tinted. tinted. Dude, those things were everywhere. Six feet. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I you know here I am this loser with this hot car living with my mom. And, you know, I just thought, this is great. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living life. So I, a buddy of mine at the time started working for a company called AmeriQuest Mortgage. And at, they were huge at the time. They, were, they, were, they had their own stadium in Texas. So that's how big of a mortgage company they were. And he calls me up and he goes, hey, uh, Matt, yeah, how's DJing going? I go, oh, man, it's amazing. I'm making a few grand a month. And I'm probably, you know, I'm going to expand that all these, you know, grandeurs or uh, you know things, feelings of grandeur. And then he said, well, I made 20 grand last month. <laughs> I go, no, you didn't. So I drove over. I didn't believe him. I yeah. drove over there, showed me his paycheck. Mm. And it was kind of like that Wolf of Wall Street moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> what do you want me to do? I'll you quit show right me now. a check stub. I work for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I said, well, I've never felt more inadequate uh, in my life. I go, holy crap. And it's a lot of DJ gigs. A yeah. lot of DJ gigs. And I'm going, man, I go, okay, I'll do both. So I, I went in, I interviewed, I got this job. I was driving from Mount Laurel to King of Prussia wow. every day down the Schuylkill in my G35 coupe. And oh, at the time, I'm sorry, I was uh, I was in a in a 93 um, Jeep Grand Cherokee. Mm. So yeah, we weren't quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. And so I started doing it within two months. I, I just pounded the phones. I had a knack at it, a knack at selling. And within two months, I was the top salesman at Ameri- at this AmeriQuest King of Prussia branch. Mm-hmm. And I was making good 20, whatever, you know, I was making yeah. that kind of money, which hence the G35 coupe. Yeah. So I, but I was, I remember it was like seven, eight o'clock at night. I was working late. I'm pounding the phones. I'm stressed out, but it's good stress. And all of a sudden I got a call from the head of student council from Cherokee High School. And she was such a sweet woman. She said, hey, Matt, how you doing? I go, I'm good. How you doing? What's going on? She goes, well, you know, I'm just standing here looking at all the students and we're just wondering where you are. No, you just I speak go, yourself. <laughs> I go, what do you, what do you, <gasps> I have to DJ a dance. Oh. And I totally That's forgot when it was crossed it. over. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally forgot about it. And oh, that's is this like a prom? No, thank oh. God. Oh, God. Like a or like <laughs> yeah, one of can the... you imagine? Uh, no, it was it was a student Just... council dance. Okay. But still, there were 100 kids there oh. or whatever it was. And they had to get up there and cancel the dance. And, oh. and I just said, you know what? That's, you can't do both. Can't do both. So I quit. Uh, I actually sold the DJ company to a friend of mine uh, named Frank, Frank Catcherbone, uh, Center Stage Entertainment. Mm. And uh, he's still around today. They're great. And uh, Frank, I want a, a residual on that as well, <laughs> by the way. And, and they, uh, they took over, and I, I committed 100%. That's awesome. At that point. And, yeah, then yeah. Sky, and then the sky's the limit. 
Yeah. So I know that was big, the, um, you know, the big shop mortgages, call centers, stuff like that. Now, you know, we're in a different environment. Mm -hmm. When did you make the switch to the brokerage side and working more alongside, you know, realtors and referrals as opposed to going direct, you know, to the consumer? Yeah. So it, it, it evolved where at first I was all calling leads, lead, 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 you know, cause I didn't know anybody. And then I actually did work for a brokerage on Delaware Ave and uh, funny enough, right by club Egypt, club oh, yeah, shampoo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shampoo. Yeah. Remember, remember those? That may or may not have stumbled in and out there once or twice. So yeah. I, I may, you know, may or may not have frequented that place too, a little too with Tiki Bob's. Mm. You know, remember all those places? Oh man, we're showing our age. Oh yeah. Only, well, it's millennial outlier. That's true. Yeah, I, yeah. I am true. technically the, the first. It's in the title. Yeah, the first year of millennial. Yeah, 19, you're the elder millennial. 1980. Right? Yeah. A little respect on that. That's why you're Matthew. Yeah, right. That's exactly. <laughs> This old guy. So I, uh, I did work. Look, the the mortgage world is just so weird. It, it's it, you. You just have to be fluid, and you have to move to where you're going to best serve your your clients. And for me, I I started getting into realtors. The guy that ran the place at the time taught me how residual. Let's let's talk about residual. Uh, Everything I do, I try to have a residual. And it, uh, I interned at a place called Northwestern Mutual when I was at Ryder University. That's where yep. I went to college. And the guy at the time, Joe Savino in Princeton, put his arm around me and said, Matt, uh, this is a get rich slow scheme. So yeah. by the time you're 40, you're going to be rich. And I looked at him, I go, 40? <laughs> Can I curse? But then it just keeps pouring. Fuck you, 40. Are you kidding me? You know how old that is? I live with my mom. I'm a loser. I want to be in the VIP section of the clubs and buying some bottles, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, and actually, that was probably true. Uh, (laughs) But I know, and and I said, this sucks. But the point was residual. As a financial advisor, every, every, Deal, all the money you bring in, you're managing, you know, all these policies you're doing, you get a residual every year. So yes, by the time you're 40, 50, it's like a base salary. You're, you can technically retire, but the only residual in my business, I would argue would be the relationships you, you develop. Sure. Uh, if you do a refi, a refinance, which that's what most mortgage people have been living off of for the last decade, low rates. Uh, hey, where are you? Oh, you're at four and a half. I'll bring you to three and a half. Or, and then, oh, well, I'll take you to two and a half. That's how they were surviving. Yeah. Well, what's your residual on that? Really nothing. Because right. once you're out now. Yeah. Well, now they're in trouble. Yeah. So if it, for me, I go, you know what? This is pretty cool. If I learn how to network and just go out there and meet people in, in my world and develop these these partnerships, which then turn into uh, friendships. Man, I, I this could be a a, a, long, a longevity thing for me, and yeah. so for for almost twenty years now, I've been just trying to develop long-standing relationships, mostly with real estate agents and a few attorneys and builders and stuff like that, but mostly agents. And now, I mean, the 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 seeds I planted ten years, fifteen years ago, a lot of those agents are some of the top agents in the industry right mm-hmm. now. So we just have we're just connected, and it doesn't matter how many other mortgage people say, "Hey, do you want to get called?" coffee. Hey, can I pay for this? Hey, do you want to do this? You want to do that? Yeah, we, we have a thing and, and we're loyal to each other. Yeah. Love yeah. And like you said, with residuals, I mean, there's nothing better. I, I'm an insurance myself. Mm. Um, so, you know, like you said, the, the first now it's, it's good. <laughs> the first, you know, two, three years, it, you know, you're getting peanuts on policies, but that book of business grows and grows and grows. And, you know, then it's just to your point coming in. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I'm I'm all for residual income. Yeah. <laughs> now with uh, mortgage stuff in general, why don't you give maybe a few myths that debunk you could talk about, and then for like the first time home buyer, I know you always have a lot of different programs and things that you guys are talking about. On educate the masses a little bit on kind of what's going on in the industry. Yeah, myths, and I'll, I'm going to try to be really concise here because we can spend hours on on this subject. But number one, people start too late. They start their actual research too late. They go on Google University. They're really quick to do that mm -hmm. and, and read and go on TikTok. And go, uh, but they're not getting real information. You don't get the information you actually need to buy until you go through the pre-approval process. Yeah. End of story. Now, the biggest, it's just so funny. Everyone has an excuse. Well, I'm not starting because of this and this. But the mm -hmm. biggest excuse is I don't want people to run my credit. Like somehow it got leaked out somewhere along the way where now people think, well, don't worry about being late on things or maxing out this account or this account. Somehow when I get my credit run, that's going to destroy my credit score. <laughs> and it, it couldn't be further from the truth. But to not even have the argument, we also started adopting soft credit pulls, which is the same thing as you go yeah. to Credit Karma or your credit cards. They're all doing the same thing. Okay. So it has zero impact. So let's take that out of, out of the equation. Now there's no excuse to not get started. So you need to know, and here's the other myth. The myth is I'm going to care about the purchase price and the interest rate. And I don't know if it's a myth or just a, the wrong way of thinking. You just have to focus more on your payment because mm -hmm. that's really what it comes down to. What's my payment? How much money out of pocket do I have to stroke a check for at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. That's it. There's only two numbers, payment, stroke a check. Yeah. Cash out of pocket. So if you know, if you sit down, you do your actual budget. And let me give you guys, I, I mean, I'm just going to throw up here on this mic, but that's gross. But <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to really give people things to think about. Mm -hmm. Look, you can pull your credit free, freeannualcreditreport.com or do it at Credit Karma, whatever. Yeah. Go through your accounts. You may have an account that your payment is two, $300 a month, and you only owe two, $3,000 on that account. Pay that off or be aggressive at paying that off. For every $60 you save yourself a month, it increases your buying power at 10 grand. Hmm. So let's play oh, wow. a game. Let's play a game. How many things in your life, money at money uh, monthly that's coming out of your, uh, your account, can you eliminate and then increase your buying power? So if you have things on your credit report that uh, little accounts that don't have a big balance, get rid of them. If you're, uh, how many many times a, a month or a week are you grubhubbing or door dashing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we all know it's great. Nothing better than just like a couple taps on your phone and you got food sitting on your doorstep. But again, like, let's be real. You want to buy a house. You got to make some sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Stop bitching about the rate when you're not willing to sacrifice things like Starbucks that. or yeah, you know, Starbucks. I mean, yep. you, the list goes on and on about things that you're probably wasting your money on. Get one of those apps. I think I have um, Empower. Truebill. Truebill. There's yeah. all these apps now that will tap in all your credit cards and your bank accounts. Put it all in one. Put it all in one. Yeah. My wife does not like that I did that. <laughs> and every month I'm like. Same. She realized that Amazon list and that the yeah. credit card were linked to that. I don't even know if she knows how to log into her credit card account. No, now she does, I think. But but no, it, it, she's she's aware. She's very yeah. good with the money. I love you, Lisa. <laughs> not yeah, I'm not, not going to talk on that subject. <laughs> I was saying, like, if Gina died or if I died, Gina would have no idea. She yeah. Like, what, how do, what are these accounts? How yeah. do I log in? What are, 
I, I actually you had made this many accounts. I actually made a death file, a death drive. Oh wow! And and password protected. Yeah. You can only Google, enter. Google, yeah. Right. <laughs> I have two things that need to happen: yeah. hide the porn <laughs> and uh, yeah. scrub the computer. <laughs> Wait, don't they don't they have the the death buddy? It's like you know, you're one boy who's like, if anything happens to you, he knows exactly where to go, what to delete, what to throw away. Give this file. To yeah, yeah. The incriminating evidence. But um, you know, I I. I I put it all together. It has all the logins, all what's going on with our life I insurance, should do that. our yeah. trust, yeah. Uh, yeah. everything she'll ever need to know to run the the finances. Because you're the elder millennial. You yeah. Know, you know things. Teaching you us. You know things, absolutely. <laughs> but getting back to what people need to realize is focus on the payment. Go through the process because if you're a year away, here's the worst thing you can do. If you're looking to buy and you're you're on the sideline now going, look, I'm I'm in a good situation. I'm renting. It's not that much. I'm living with family. I'm saving money. I'm doing well. Well, what research are you really doing? You're looking at a bunch of houses online and you and maybe you have an agent sending you some properties too, but you do really know what, what the numbers look like on these properties. And and so if if you don't do the numbers now, you could be kind of shortchanging yourself. There could be programs out there, like we talked about, you said first-time home buyer programs. New Jersey's giving away, quote unquote, ten thousand dollar grants. Mm. Now, yeah, the this the stipulation is you gotta live in the house five years. Can't, you know, but then it's forgivable. Uh, and there are other programs out there that are going to make things a lot more affordable. So if we sit down, you get rid of all these things we talked about, you play that game, and now you go, all right, my payment to a point where if it's a dollar more, I might cry. But my actual <laughs> max payment is X. I could back into your purchase price, mm. more or less. Property right. taxes are the variable there. Sure. But if I do that, now all of a sudden, so many people focus on the payment or the purchase price, it goes, I can't go over four hundred thousand. Well, call me and say, Matt, I, I want to go up to four hundred thousand. You go, oh, great. What does that mean? What What's your payment? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who cares about that? Now, of course, that does dictate your down payment. Mm-hmm. There, you're going three percent down, five percent. Okay, I get all that. But in the end, you have X amount. You're willing to part at the end of the day and stroke a check for, and you have your payment. That's it. Yeah. So do your research now, and I and we're going to tell you, all right, you're good for half a million. Or we might say you're good for eight hundred thousand, but based on your payment budget, you want to stay at half a million. Mm-hmm. Well, now you know. Right. You know you can go as high as eight, but you want to stay at five. So another thing is, take a risk. Like I took a risk on DJ Matty B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take a risk on yourself and go. You know what? I'm um 30, 35, whatever I am, average age. First time home buyer is thirty five now, and I'm gonna probably get promoted. I'm probably gonna make more money. So maybe you got to go a little uncomfortable with that house. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be upset with yourself when in three years, five years, you have a kid or two, yeah. and now you have that extra space rather than I short, I went lower because I was afraid and now I need to move again. Yeah. Or but worse yet, I can't afford to move it. I'm just so unhappy. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, all of this can be remedied by just going through the process now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So- no. With the, you know, with the changing environment um, with rates, and I think they just came down last week or the week before or something, but with the rates and, and all that stuff, it's, it is scaring people away, which, you know, I agree with you. Just focus on, on your payment and how much is going out and maybe rates come down. You can refi and save some money, mm-hmm. but you know your payment and, you know, as long as you match that, you're good. Who cares, like you said, about the purchase price and the interest rate, but it is scaring a lot of people away. Um, what do you see? I know 
you put videos out on this and it's talked about all the time. What do you see though, the next, you know, three, six months into, you know, next year? I think we're going to be looking pretty good. You think so? Yeah. yeah. I think we're, we started trending or just over the past week, we've been waiting for the fed to kind of wake up. I always say the feds like, like my grandmother, she, 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 <laughs> she always drove looking in the rear view mirror, you know, just backing out. They, 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 Focus on the what's behind them, right. the data that's already happened, not on the forecasting. Mm-hmm. So they're very reactive. So I think finally they saw some things that said, okay, the economy's cooling off. We're going to cool off. That's what we were waiting for. So I think we're going to have a trend lower over the next several months. I don't think it's going to be lighting the world on fire, but I think it's going to make people feel a little bit more comfortable now listing their house, starting that process, getting pre-approved, looking to buy. Yeah. And I think this spring is going to be awesome. Yeah. So okay. let's talk about what does that mean for someone that is sitting on right now? They could pull the trigger and buy a house, but they're waiting. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you, you now's your opportunity. Now that the rates are still a little higher, uh, cycl- uh, real estate is cyclical. Mm-hmm. So right now in the winter, we always have inventory go up. There are houses that are sitting a lot longer. I talk to real estate agents all the time. I call them specifically to see what's going on. They're the boots on the ground. Yeah. So they're telling me for the first time ever, they're seeing houses sitting for 30 days, 60 days. I have one sitting since uh, first week of August. Yeah, there you go. Wow. This thing better freaking sell. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> I'm gonna make them a low ball off. Yeah, right. exactly. no, I don't, <laughs> it's messed up, but, but no, I'm seeing it firsthand. So let's talk about, I, I put a, a I put a video out the other day. If you want to follow me, by the way, it's it Matt, it's Matt Boyce on Instagram, uh, Matthew Boyce on Facebook, Matthew uh, it's Matt Boyce on TikTok. But if I put it out there to talk about buy downs, rate buy downs, because everyone wants to know about that too. And so think about this: if you go onto your realtor.coms and you search for reduced prices, you're going to find a bunch of properties that were reduced by ten grand, twenty grand, yeah. five grand, whatever. Those are opportunities. Again, if you have a house sitting for 30 days, 60 days what, no, since August, that's an opportunity. What can you do with that opportunity? Well, you can get the house for lower, for less. So if I get it for 10 grand less, it's going to save me $60 a month. Cool. Or I could get creative with it with now my mortgage company who pre-approved me several months ago and we're all on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. So I can now buy that rate down. And in my video, I, I did a comparison of temporary buy-downs versus permanent. Bottom line is, on a permanent buy-down, you, you, I took the rate from 8% to 7 and a quarter with 10 grand. That's how much it got me. And then I took the on the temporary buy-down, there's things called a 2-1 buy-down, which basically takes, it's basically taking your $10,000 credit that you would get from a seller mm-hmm. and stretching it out over two years. Okay. So year one, you get, you know, you're at 2% lower, so you're at Five nine. Then it goes. It's like tiered, kind of. The next year, you're you're a percent higher, right, six right, nine right, nine, right, and then right. the third year, you go to seven nine nine eight percent. But know? hopefully, by then, rates come down and you can, I guess, refi out, right? That's the thought. Yeah. And so I said in the video, go look. If you're a believer, rates are going to come down within two to four years. Then they you should. Pro- you probably want to stick to the temporary. Yeah. Why are you going to blow ten grand on a rate of seven and a quarter when in six months it could be a seven and a quarter for free? Right. Or or lower. Right. Then you're going to kick yourself, going, well, shit, I can't. I don't want to refi. I invested all that money in my rate. 
I have to recoup. What's my ROI? What's the break even on that that money? And in this case, it was like 49 months or four yeah, years. I'm going to say you're going to wait years. Yeah. So yeah, I'd have to wait four years to save back that $10,000 yeah, before I start saving money. Whereas with the temporary, I'm saving it right away. Or you could just have a $10,000 credit, keep the money, call it a day. Right. But the point is there's opportunity right now. If you wait and all of a sudden rates drop into the sixes again, they draw, and I saw video, Barbara Corcoran out of nowhere is having these viral uh, she's videos. Gone, yeah, yeah, I've been saying it. She's uh, saying the market's going up twenty five percent, and yeah, crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, personally, I, I I don't know if she even knows what year it is, but <laughs> I. But she her whole point is, she said, if you see a rate with a with a five in front of it, things are going to go nuts. Yeah, now, yeah, 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 I don't think they're going to go nuts. I think that it will definitely light the market more on fire. Sure. So will prices go through the roof? She was saying, ah, fifteen percent appreciation, yeah. maybe. But you got to remember, it's not like it's only buyers flooding the market. It these buyers have to also sell a lot of them. Right. So I think we're going to open up more. Yeah, I think. I, but to the, I mm-hmm. think appreciation is going to definitely happen either way. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. if I bought now, I bought a four hundred thousand dollar house now. And it appreciates five percent in one year, which is, by the way, the average fifty-year average. Twenty-five k, right? Twenty grand. 20, 20, 20. Well, so yeah. next year, what's my house worth? Right, four twenty. Right, and then that compounds. Now it's five percent of four twenty, mm-hmm. and that goes up. So I, I'm just saying, I don't think everyone's waiting for a break. Uh, everyone's just like everything's so unaffordable, and and I totally get it. But I'm just telling you, kind of like we talked about, unless you're branding yourself or you're getting yourself out there, who's going to know you exist? Unless you are prepared and you're out there looking at all homes and all areas that you're willing to to live in, how do you know what what exists? Right. So if you're not doing, if you're not aggressive with your search, there could be a house that actually was perfect. I live in Medford. I call it the land of opportunity. It's no, there's not a lot of cookie cutter homes out there, yeah, uh, a, lot a lot of custom. So, I mean, I bought my first ha- my first house there. I, I got for $399, this almost acre property with a, a pool, a gazebo, a tennis court. Although, wow. although there was no tennis being played, <laughs> more can jam and, uh, yeah. and court, awesome, though. <laughs> court but it was so, it was the greatest party house ever. We had yeah. a blast there and, and we sold it before COVID, but it's a land of opportunity. I didn't, I never would have known if I wasn't looking. Mm-hmm. So I think so many people are just giving up now and they're not taking the proper steps to prepare themselves to pull the trigger. Which speaking of that, so I was very intrigued when you said 35 is the average uh, first time home buyer age. Wow. I so, missed that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's literally right in the, the middle of millennials. Yeah. So can you give that first time home buyer? What are like, ideally, where should the credit range be? How much cash would you say people should have savings? What's what are those couple steps look like? And then on the flip of that, what are like the three worst things they can do when they're applying for a mortgage? Like, I, I think <laughs> I know a few of them, but you're the expert. So, like, what are the what are the do not do this when we're going through the between the application for the pre-approval and actually getting to the purchase? Yeah, I mean, we can start with the what not to do yeah. part. I think that one uh, any big purchases at all. The cars are, are, I don't have to tell a lot of people out there, a car payment now is crazy. It's, yeah, it's insane. It, it, and listen, I'm friends with a lot of car dealers, dealer, uh, uh, people that, you know, salesmen that, saleswomen that are just really good at their job and they're in sales. So it's their job. If you qualify, 
their conscience is clear. Yeah. I mean, all right, they claw, they make enough money. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you just F them buying yeah. their house. So we had somebody come to us. He had a $1,300 Tesla payment. Now, in that case, there is no salesperson. Yeah. Uh, that's just you clicking just around. Going yeah. going, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'll add that and I'll add that. Oh, what's, what's plaid mode? Yeah, right. <laughs> She's gone to plaid. Um, again, dating myself. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the that's the worst thing you can do is overextend your credit. A lot of people, here's the other thing. When you start, I get it. Again, I was poor. So- when I started making money, what did I do? I leveled up. Yeah. I started making a little bit more money. I leveled up. I bought mm-hmm. a nicer car. I, le- I made a little bit more. I'm a- and all of a sudden, I'm a 30-year-old with, like, no savings. Mm-hmm. And and I had no plan. And what am I going to do with real estate? or whatever? Now, to, to be fair to myself, I went through a divorce. I had uh, 08, 09 market crash, which pretty much was caused by me. And, or, or I should say, people like me, they were giving out negam loans and crazy yeah, stuff. Arms and all Ar- that. Yeah. I mean, you know, two-year fixed loans with a three-year penalty. Balloon payments and Balloon stuff. payments. I mean, we did everything. And it wasn't us. It was Wall Street. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it was – I'm just – I'm saying that the worst thing you could do is keep leveling up to your income level. If you're doing well – you know, small nuts. You know mm. what I mean? Justin knows. Yeah. So <laughs> small nuts. I got to tell everybody that. <laughs> small, <laughs> small. Not listeners. <laughs> you have like 58 kids. You're doing okay. <laughs> You're doing okay. I know, but I, I think just live. It, the, the, it's not cool. It's not in style right now. Live within your means. Yeah, stay uh, in that lane, friends. Don't level up. Stay in that lane. Yeah. Don't level up. You're hearing it from me. You know, you know all the books, oh, level up. Don't level up. Don't do it because yeah. you're going to thank yourself later. Now, I'm not saying do the the whole uh, uh, automatic millionaire. You ever read that book where mm-hmm. it's like basically, you know, live like like you're a homeless person and one day you'll be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. drive like a 95 Toyota. Yeah, <laughs> right. literally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm saying there, you know, everything in moderation. Uh, yeah. But I, I think that if you can do that and keep it, keep your expenses low, your debt ratios, which is what is what tells a mortgage company what you qualify for. Your debt to income ratios will be in line to qualify and give you that flexibility. Okay. Actually, can you just explain that a little bit? I hear that term all the time, but what exactly does the debt to income like? Is it as straightforward as it sounds or is there other variables? So all you do is you add up all your monthly expenses. Again, pull your credit report. We don't care about what your, uh, you know, how much it does cost a month to do your hair. Or, uh, you know, Justin, I know you're, you know, you're the spa, <laughs> spa course. time. Oh, of course. There's, there's a lot of things we don't see. We see what's on your credit report. Add all those monthly payments up, the minimum payments on the, on those. And then you're going you're gonna to take that and add to it the proposed mortgage payment. And that includes your taxes, homeowner's insurance, mortgage insurance, all that stuff. Again, get pre-approved. You'll know these numbers. Mm-hmm. Add everything up and divide it by your income. Now, here's a caveat. We take the gross income. So let's be real. We're taking gross, not net. You take, you bring home net. That's what hits your account every pay period. We're taking what is before taxes. So that's how we're qualifying you. So rule of thumb is you want to stay around a th- you know 35% of your income uh, with your mortgage payment. And then you add in all the other expenses and we'll allow up to 50%. FHA, which is a government-backed loan, will allow up to 57% of your income. Well, you're the person that knows every month what you really need. If you have daycare, we don't see that. 
If you have, uh, you know, again, if you have a drug habit, you know, we don't see it. No, I'm just, you know, just saying. But you, you want to make sure. Sorry, the weed expense can the get weed a little crazy. You know? <laughs> I yeah. mean, listen, it's, there's a, it's a legit bill. <laughs> there's dispensaries all over the place. I mean, it's, right. it's it's hard not to drive by one now. Marlton is about to have like five of them open up within Ooh. like a few miles of each other. But no, it's it's you just have to. Uh, that's how you calculate debt to income ratios, and that's what we use to qualify you. I didn't realize it was gross. I would have just thought it would only make sense that it would be based off the net of what you actually take home, not before Uncle Sam puts his hand in there. So that's that's very enlightening. Now let's talk about also kind of you've expanded quite a bit in business. As you mentioned, you know, mortgages through the years have been very cyclical. So you've had some unbelievable years. You've probably had some years that have aged you a bit. But you've diversified. You've got into the real estate side of things. You open up the cigar club. So like, what was it in you that, made you want to do that and how did you kind of calculate that risk to pivot so that was a real estate play if you want to be an investor the the best thing you could do is tell real estate agents you want to be an investor because nothing motivates a motivated agent than than knowing that you'll buy something mm. so if they have you on their buyers list and they see an opportunity they're going to let you know a real estate agent friend uh let me know of an opportunity me and a partner of mine and said Hey, you know, do you want to buy this thing? Now, first I was against it. Uh, this, this is a building, a five unit commercial building. And it, it scared me because I've never bought commercial before, but touring it, I saw there was a cigar shop in there with a tiny lounge in the back and the other four units, there's three apartments up top, three residential, another commercial unit. And this is on main street in Medford. So I knew that the other four units had the potential of cash flowing the property, meaning it covered all the, the the monthly expenses for it. So anything that that happened in that other unit where the cigar shop was would be a bonus. So more, again, let's take a risk. So instead of it being a cigar shop, one we made it one big lounge, mm -hmm. and it and my idea was memberships create a community, and yeah, it, it, the money from the memberships that's great uh, for me. The the value is the networking, mm -hmm. the again the community feel bringing in great people that that I don't care the difference between that cigar lounge my cigar lounge and another one is is I don't care if you're you're a woman man whatever I know a lot of them ban women I think mm -hmm. it's really dumb uh, and I don't care who you are as long as you're an awesome person and you contribute to this community in some way great you're in so it that's what's it was just great because for me like you said this is this is a weird market and I wanted to make sure my goal in real estate investing and everything that I do is to cover my monthly expenses. Mm -hmm. If you could think about it right now, to add up everything, how do you live normally? The Starbucks, all that crap, whatever you eat, whatever your monthly expenses, let's say it's $10,000 a month. What do I have to do to equal $10,000 a month? Once you get to that point, man, you're free. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be a lot easier for you to take more of a risk. Yeah. So that's why I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs that make it to a point where investors that make it to a point where they're bringing in enough to kind of, they're feeling comfortable in that regard. Now those risks can get bigger. And yeah. now they, even if they fail, they know they're okay. Yeah. And so I, that's, I'm fortunate because now I'm at a p point where that is. So now I know the next thing I want to invest in, it, I, I'm, it's probably gonna be pretty big. I'm excited for whatever it ends up being. Oh, I love that. Can't excited wait to, to hear it too. Yeah, can't wait yeah. to hear about that. So let's go back to the branding side as well, because that's one thing I, I think that personally I feel like you do really well. 
So uh, just share some like tips, like what what is your strategy? Like what kind of goals do you have for it? What are you using the branding for? Do you have a team or are you doing it yourself? Like give us some of the, the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I think that uh, being deliberate in your strategy is key. And at first I was just, again, react reacting to the market, the news, and I would make a video trying to explain it in my way. Hmm. And I did it uh, on, on my webcam and, and I made a lot of mistakes, but I, I think that there's a great book called Imper- uh, in, uh, I forget. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, about yeah, yeah. Imperfect, imperfect prep. Action. Imperfect like action. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just a matter of who cares? Just take action. Just do it. Yeah. You know, everyone just lets fear, like they're so afraid to do it, like making excuses of why, just do it. So anyway, I, I, I started doing it. And then uh, for the branding, I'm big on video. But I think that you can go on YouTube and and a lot of great accounts and follow some really good people that are social media experts and branding experts. And again, read a few books to Alex Hermosi, like I said, $100 million leads. He has $100 million uh, brand, I believe, uh, which is before that. You're going to learn and just write down your strategy. And the biggest thing is just be consistent with whatever you do. Mm -hmm. So if you say you're going to post, Gary V says post six pieces of content a day. Okay. Now, what does that mean? Well, I could do, uh, I could post a, I could a tweet something or X something. What do we call it now? Yeah. I don't know. I can, I can <laughs> X. X something and then I can take that X and I can put it on my Instagram story, which then goes on my Facebook story. I can create a video. And the other thing I would say is there's so many great editors out there. There's some AI tools too, uh, that, that will edit for you. They'll get rid of all the spaces, the ums, the, all that. And then they'll, they'll make, they'll put captions on there. Like literally, I mean, AI is taking over the world. So if I would say that creating content and give it away for free, create as much great content and just put it out there in the ether. And I'm telling you, great things will come back to you. That's that's yeah. the key to branding, in my my opinion. Absolutely, I love that you said you you kind of just take the news and you try to explain it to people. I had the pleasure of being at the Otho Davis Awards last week, and Sal Palantonio received the Dick Vermeil Lifetime Achievement Award. And at the end of his speech, he said he was like, "I always approach my career as if I didn't work for the Eagles, I didn't work for the NFL, I worked for you, the fans." And it was my job to articulate stories and things that I found out and share that with you. I think that's a lot of what it is. We overcomplicate a lot of times what, you know, the content we put out has to be. And, you know, you've taught me several things just sitting here. And it's because we ask the question, but you break it down into a way that now I can actually digest it and understand it because I think we can all agree that the media out there just gives you a bunch of gray area stuff. And you're like, what the hell does that even mean? But nobody's there to explain it to you. And that's exactly the role that you're filling. And I, I believe that's why a lot of the value you're putting out there, which helps then perpetuate the brand. Yeah, I think, you know, the whole if it bleeds, it leads mm-hmm. thing in, in the media. And and for bleeding, I mean, you know, negativity. Uh, I, there was a thing that Zillow came out with saying how it's going to take uh, anywhere from 10 to 23 years to recoup your investment on a house these days because of how unaffordable it is. And if you read the article and look at the math that they they did behind it, it's so fucked up and dumb yeah. that there's no way they have no idea even what they're talking about. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's so it was just to, to sell the headline. Yeah, it get clicks. Right, right. And right. I think if you if if you 
look, we, we have a highly political environment, highly opinionated environment right now. And, you know, real estate's no different. So I just try to stay as middle of the road as I can mm-hmm. uh, and, and just try to, to call bullshit when I see it. So the reality is, if I took that, I'll, I'll just break it down. That that one, they said Cleveland, Ohio was the worst place in the country to to have appreciation. You know, that was their their worst performing uh, wow. place in the country. But even if you take that appreciation, uh, which the forecast is like two and a half percent, and you plug it in, the thing that they didn't realize was they're going to pay off that loan amortization. Yeah, it's coming down. It yeah. comes down. Right. The, the, the appreciation is still there. And, and, and when I did the calculation, your break even was actually three years, right. not 23 years. Right. So just, not to go into the math now, but that's, that's an example of the media just like misleading people. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in, in seats of position that have no idea what they're talking about. I was watching a video the other day and the oversight committee for was this like, the APR one. Yeah, the APR. Yes, yeah, I and I was that. like, how? And the woman was doing everything she could to dodge the question. She was like, the I forget, it was a Susie Porter or yeah. whoever. She was like, no, I wrote this book, so I I know the math, and I'm going to tell you the math, and then I'm going to give you the simplest. What was it two hundred dollars a month? It, yeah, twenty dollars. Simplest explanation. Yeah, and she just she couldn't answer, and that is somebody who helps write legislature that yeah, then right. goes against us <laughs> for. You know, all this credit card debt and things out there. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, again, industry to industry is all different, but nothing gets regulated more, in my opinion, than you know, the finance industry and, oh, and, no. and mm-hmm. uh, real well, estate. Yeah. When you mess with somebody's house and you're you're contributing to them losing their home, it's bad for elections. Yeah. And and it's, it's just a lot of people. <laughs> it's bad for a lot of people. Yeah. So that's why after 0809 happened, even though Wall Street you ever watch the big short, you'll mm-hmm. you'll realize yeah. what happened there. But after that happened, they came out with Dodd Frank. And now there's a lot of realtors that might be listening and hopefully there's a lot of realtors. If there there's a be. if there's realtors listening right now and you're worried about this NAR lawsuit, yeah. I just want you to remember something that we in the mortgage world already went through this over a decade ago after the 0809 crash, they came out with Dodd-Frank in a knee-jerk reaction in order to tame the mortgage world so that we never have that happen again. Yeah. And in doing so, they totally effed up the way that we get paid, the way that we do business. We had to rewrite our software, rewrite our process, but we did survive. Yeah. So I, I know that right now, we always laugh because realtors, even though you think that you're regulated, you're nowhere near. Yeah, lender, not lenders. No, yeah. you're nowhere near. Uh, but it, regulation is good. I think that in the end, it's going to f- create a transparency with the buyers and sellers. And and you're going to be able to explain it in the way that only you know how to explain. And I think ultimately it's going to lead to the agents that, do, that are doing things right for you know, right now, they're going to continue to grow and do well. Yeah. Agents that aren't doing it right and, and are trying out. to dupe and mislead their sellers anyway, they're yeah, out. Be yeah, it's going to weed them out. I did see recently, side note, the the actual guy from the big short, he just put like a $1.6 billion short against the S&P 500. Mm. So that's going to be very interesting for all of our pensions and <laughs> so, uh, 401ks and things. So I'll give you some breaking news. Yeah. I follow a guy named Barry Habib. Barry's like the, you know, the goat of mortgage rates and, and, and tracking everything. And he has these recession indicators he loves to throw up on the screen. He does a, a daily uh, update. And they were talking about how uh, whenever the uh, unemployment number bottoms out and goes up by a half a percent, within two months, there's a recession. 
Mm. And this is going back 60, 70 years. So we hit 3.4% unemployment not long ago. And last month, when we just had jobs numbers come out last week, we're now at 3.9%. Mm. So there's your half a percent. So history will tell you that this winter going into spring, we could see a recession. Now you might say, Matt, that goes against what you just said about how we're going to have this great spring. Well, for me, a great spring is low rates. And I think that a recession is just a feeling. Let's be real. I mean, the technical term is the you know, GDP is negative for what, two, two quarters two in a row? Two quarters, yeah. Okay, great. But day-to-day, person-to-person, what's yeah. it really doing to you? Yeah. No. It, it, we're going to see infl- inflation's already coming down. Things are getting more affordable. Gas is more affordable. I'm telling you that, yes, shorting the stock market might take a hit, mm-hmm. but S&P, if you follow uh, uh, personal finance, uh, I forget his name on, on Instagram, I follow a few people that love the S&P because historically it's going to give you a great return. Yeah. Even if we have a pullback, a recession for six back. months, yeah. it's going to come back. Don't, yep. don't. Well, panic. they say, I don't know, what was it? Like eight or there's a certain amount of times, like eight or 12 times the return over the past 10 years um, that day was like, say, 125%. And then all the other days combined was like 10% or something yeah. like that. So it's just saying, you know, keep it in there. Let it keep going. You know, don't look at it like, all right, now's the recession. Now's the time to buy. Yeah. Like you can't track the market. No, there's a great term called dollar cost averaging mm-hmm. in. And this this goes to crypto or anything else. You can't time the market. Yeah, yeah. You, you just can't do it. Just like buying a house. You're not going to no. time the market. You know, uh, with a house, this is where my family's growing up. This is where this is the neighborhood I want to grow up in. I'm going to spend all my time. Yep. Why am I going to try to time that? Yeah, That's yeah. your priority. Just get in there and the market will take care of itself. Yeah. With with the recession and all that, I think that again, we're going to see a pullback. If if and when that happens, what's going to what's the Fed going to do? Yeah. Now they're going to start yeah, reducing lower their rates, rates, lowering their rates. Refi baby. <laughs> and, and everybody sitting at a 7 plus percent interest rate is going to have a really good opportunity to now save money. So they're already in a house that they can afford, right? Because yeah. they did the what they're supposed to do. They got pre-approved early, right? So they they got in there, but now they're going to have a chance to, to refi. And it's going to be good on, on all fronts for affordability. Yeah. Yeah. And, for, and to your point, then with that cash out refi, they can go ahead and buy more of the S&P. Boom. Because what are that? It's time in the market, not timing the market, right? Right. It's kind of time the in the market. Adage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You buy a house now, you know, ten years down the line, it's going to appreciate. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, you know, maybe not say ten months, ten and a half months, because that was a down market. But overall, it, it'll, you know. Yeah. There's one. There's two big big things I wish I would have done earlier was. One, I wish I would have learned more about investing mm-hmm. and taken more control of my, mo- my money rather than just blindly putting it into a 401k, which you should do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But at the time, my my people, when I the companies I work for never contributed. So I wish I would have learned about S&P investing and, mm-hmm. and just dollar cost averaging in over, over the years. That and I wish my first house would have been a multifamily. Yeah. That's, I think that's everybody. Every investor is like wanting to go back. I think that's like, or more rental properties, or I wish I bought more properties back in my twenties or whatever. Well, I, I feel like no, that's that's always you know. Well, anybody listening, I I had a, a moment of TikTok fame for about a week because I posted a video, which you never know what's going to go viral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did. I said it's essentially that, and and I wish I could go back. And I end up with almost two million views on, on oh. the video. So it just shows, though, you know how. In, involved people are with real estate and how they want to be 
there. They want to be an investor. And I, I, again, it's such a great hack because take advantage of your first time home buyer status. Uh, if you go FHA, you can buy a two to four unit in, uh, multifamily at three and a half percent down. They just they just pass another rule that you can go five percent down conventional. Mm. Where if you're buying it as an investment property, it's twenty five percent down to get yeah. the best rate. Yeah. So I um, or, or, or you know actually it has to be twenty five percent down on a multi. So I I'm just imploring people, don't level up yet. Don't go for that beautiful HGTV home home yeah. yet. Go for the, we were talking before we went on air, go for the two unit, the four unit, the shitty house. I mean, it doesn't have to be that shitty, but yeah. you know, the smaller, yeah. Yeah, cash flows. It, it, but it yeah. cash flows. I bought a two unit in uh, on Hartford Road in Mev, or Mount Laurel, right around the corner from here. And I bought it, one's a four bedroom, one's a two bedroom. I net, after expenses, about $2,500 a Ooh, month. Nice. Wow. Right? You got a mortgage on that too? I got, That's uh, in your expenses? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and great. I have a mortgage on it. Uh, so what am I going to do with that house? Now, I could have I could have lived in the smaller unit and rented out, and I would have been making money every month yeah. living there. While living for while free. While living for free. <laughs> yeah. So imagine that. I mean, everyone's complaining about the cost of rent and all that stuff. If you can, you could even get a gift from family. You could whatever get into that house. Don't look for this beautiful townhouse, new construction. I did the same thing, and in this video, yeah. I said that I said it was an albatross around my neck. When I bought my house in 06, which I didn't know at the time was the uh, worst possible year. Yeah, actually, I remember this video. Yeah, that you posted. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I bought an uh, 06, and I I was like, oh, I'm the man. I moved out of my mom's house. I'm like, this is awesome. And then two years later, I, I uh, almost defaulted on the loan. I I had to. I had at one point I took a $5,000 advance on a credit card just to pay my monthly expenses that that mm. month while I was waiting for a mortgage, a loan to close to get a get commission. Paid on, yeah. wow. And and I almost got to a point where I was going to walk away from it and get a foreclosure against me or short sale. And instead, I, I, I got through and I ended up renting that townhouse and then I ended up almost paying it off and I sold it and made some money. Nice. But I, I I'm just imploring people, buy a two to four unit. You're going to thank me if you do. If you're really good, because right now I have two kids. You have what, 28? How many kids do you have? Three. Three. There's a lot of kids around here. But before you have the kids, mm -hmm. before you have the wife, the husband, the the all the bullshit that comes along with it, buy that house. Mm -hmm. You only gotta live in the, in it a year. Technically, that's the that's the contract you're signing at settlement. You live in it a year and then you figure it out. What do you want to do? You could buy another multifamily after that as your primary, another one. So, others out. so technically, by the time you are out of the, uh, in two years, three years, again, you need to find the money for the down payment. I get all that. You could technically have eight units to your name before you buy that single family. Yep. And let's say they cash flow and, and things are looking great. Technically, then you could get into that single family and almost pay nothing yeah, and live yeah. for free with that cash flow. Yep. And I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about what to do with the cash flow. There's a oh, lot yeah. of fun stuff we could do. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But just and, get that because <laughs> it gives yeah. you the opportunity to do stuff. Well, I'm going to yeah. tell you. And what what did it allow me to do? It allowed me to build a house and bring a team. Mm -hmm. So now I have an Airbnb. I have a five unit, 4,000 square foot house in Brigantine that's a block away from the beach. And I rent that. I get $8,000 a week. Nice. So I'm, I'm only talking numbers because I incrementally got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish I would have started earlier. And if I would have taken advantage of my first time home buyer status to buy the multi, man, I would have been way light years ahead of mm -hmm. where I am right now. 
But I'm telling you guys out there, if you're listening, that's the best house hack. You buy the multi first. And then I know there's not a lot out there, but if you're prepared, you get pre-approved early. Notice a theme throughout the whole <laughs> podcast. Know your numbers, get a game plan. You'll pull the trigger when it's right. Love it. Awesome. I think we're officially to that time of the episode for uh, for your final question. Yeah. Time. So, Matt. Jerry's uh, final <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. Give us a um, mistake or adversity that you faced uh, throughout your life, um, but really provided a great lesson and uh, for you and something that the listeners can, can hear. So, I would say the... Man, this is a tough question. It, it, <laughs> it always is. Trust so, me. So many mistakes out there, right? Uh, I think that the the biggest mistake that that I made was, and I know it's tough, but when I was younger, I I just didn't have uh, the balls. Let's put it that way, to make decisions for myself, and I depended on other people who didn't really know what they were talking about to kind of guide my life. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in all things, uh, we're talking, you know, personally and professionally. And I think because of that, I didn't trust myself. I didn't believe in myself enough. And a lot of people say, well, I, you know, you're, you know, you seem like you have all the confidence in the world. Yeah. I, well now maybe, and even back then, you know, the whole fake until you make it, mm-hmm. I, I definitely wanted to portray that, mm-hmm. but in reality I was scared and I, I was unsure of myself and I, I let, I didn't didn't speak up and I didn't make the, I didn't take life. I didn't take control of my life yeah. and make the decisions and, and take those risks that I wanted to. I started off that way mm-hmm. with the DJ company and all that. And then I think in the middle of it, when shit started getting hard and life started getting real uh, and, and I had responsibilities, I just think I froze up and, and there was a good chunk of my life where I made some major mistakes uh, where I I think that if I would have just been honest with myself and tuned myself, I, I think I would have worked it out a little bit better instead of trusting people to give me advice who probably I shouldn't have been listening to. Love awesome. that. Yeah. Seek counsel, not opinions. That's kind Boom. of Boom. And trust yourself, right? Like, yeah. but there was obviously things going on in your life that you hadn't built the confidence yet, that you had full faith in yourself. And, you know, the constant repetition through the years have obviously built the man we see today. Yeah. So... The, the old Maddie is definitely yep. looking at you like, let's go. This guy, proud, this guy proud Matthew, of This guy Matthew, man. This Matthew. <laughs> this guy 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, we greatly appreciate you being on this episode For with sure. us today. Again, Maximus Mortgage Advisors. Something tells me you can get pre-approved. I know they have an app for that as well, so they can definitely help you with Just that. Just go to maxloans.com. Boom. There you go, friends. Let's get into this real estate game. Get you into a comfy, cozy home. But as always, thank you for being here with us today. Make sure to have the best day ever. Best day ever, fam.